Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky, and I have two very special guests. Hi. Well, my name as of today, January of 2017. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Uh, let's get a more exact count. Uh, it is uh-huh. Thursday the 5th at 8.16 p.m. Yep. yep. My name at this current point is Scott. Scott Nicewander. Uh, I'm Dylan, also known as Orum, exclamation point. That's normally no wait. I don't do that anymore. It's Dylan slash. You're lying already. Oh, it's sorry. the new year, January 2017. <laughs> oh, you're right. You're starting it off wrong. I'm so sorry. Oh man, this is the most evergreen content we've ever recorded. <laughs> yep. We have to go back. Uh, and these guys uh, both make uh, awesome videos and podcasts on the internet, so their information will be below. Uh, but real quick, tweetable description of you and your video and podcast background. Let them know. Sure. Uh, I run a YouTube channel called NerdSync uh, that's all about reading between the panels and growing smarter through comics. That's my catchphrase. Very good. Uh, You said tweetable, so I'm just going to read my Twitter bio. (laughs) Perfect. Um, Hey, I'm Dylan, but you may know me as Orem. I have a comic book show. Check it out. Freelance video editor, Avatar by at Lemony Fresh Twit. All right, great. (laughs) So we plugged (laughs) plugged Steve. Plugged Steve, too. (laughs) Uh, Perfect. Uh, Yeah, and so you might recognize Scott's uh, voice before because he was on our review of Jingle All the Way. Which I still maintain is one of the best movies ever made. (laughs) Not Christmas movies. Movies ever made. made. Uh, And so today we're going to have a movie discussion about movie adaptations. Uh, We were just talking about how that's a topic that we're going to talk about. Yes. That was mainly the only preamble. Uh, But yeah, just like how um, constantly movies are not only being uh, rebooted, but just adapted, especially with uh, comic book movies, Mm -hmm. uh, specifically with the whole... You're pigeonholing me. (laughs) I am so sorry. Did you say pigeonholing? Yep, is that a word? Pigeonholing? Pigeonholing. Pigeon but you're also holding me into that pigeonhole. You hold the pigeon I in saved. the pigeonhole. Yeah, there mm-hmm. it goes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you're more than welcome to talk more than comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just wanted to get a discussion going about uh, movie adaptations because I know that the trope of movie adaptations is just like, oh, well, the book is better or mm-hmm. right. the comic is better. Mm-hmm. But like... I think that like pretty much everything's an adaptation from one medium to another. Right. Even like script to film is an adaptation. Of course. And so I just wanted to talk about like your thoughts, uh, observations, or anything in between about movie adaptations. Yeah, I'll start. Yeah. Uh, I like my opinion on on like you mentioned like the whole the book is always better thing. My opinion on that is I and I. <laughs> This is going to sound really pretentious, but I know a lot of people have trouble, like, disassociating that, mm-hmm. where they read the book first or they see the movie first, and then they're like, okay, it's better or worse. I'm able to, and I think everyone should be able to, just, like, treat them differently, because they are two different things. Mm-hmm. Like, something that um, comes to mind for me is Ender's Game, which mm-hmm. I watched that movie when it came out, and I was blown away i was like this is the best movie in the world i was a lot younger it's fine um don't apologize for your taste (laughs) but i I was super into it and i was like oh yeah this i want to go read the book now it was the first time in a while that i was like 
I know this is based on something and now I want to read it because I want to know more information about it and um, see what was like left out of the movie because I know there always is stuff Mm -hmm. and boy there was but um, then I read the book and I found all this cool stuff about how have you guys seen Ender's Game? Nope. Yeah. No? Okay. So there's the brother and sister of the main character. Um, basically, they, they start this, like, this group on Earth in the book that is, like, half of the book they talk about this, where they basically take over the government as, like, 12 and 17-year-old kids and, like, just nice. do this weird, like, because of the anonymity of the internet, they're able to share their ideas and not be judged for it and mm. gain this following and stuff. And I'm, I'm misremembering this, but that was kind of the core of it and it was super cool but they left that out of the movie and um yeah that's i I do think that the book of ender's game is better than the movie if you compare them but they shouldn't be compared yeah because the movie is a very different thing and the book is a very different thing so Mm -hmm. and i like both of them for different reasons what's interesting to me is you were saying by watching that movie, it got you interested in reading the mm-hmm. book, mm-hmm. the source material. And I think that's when, when I think of a movie that people um, get upset about, at least in my crowd, uh, for not being as faithful as the adaptation or as, as the source material as they would like, I think of Watchmen instantly. Mm. And, really? and uh, I know that Zack Snyder, who directed it, said that his goal was not to supplement the source material, but instead to inspire people to go and actually take a look at the comic books, mm. take mm-hmm. a look at the graphic novel. So it seems like in that case of Ender's Game, yeah. that's, that's, and I think that's an important part too, is I don't think adaptations are meant to be supplemental material. I think they're just more, I just see them as like another thing. As another creation, yeah. you know, not not to take yeah. place of anything. Else. I think like there's a, a misconception that goes around, and maybe this is how certain movies are pitched. But mm. I think you should look at it as like Ender's Game, the movie based on Ender's Game, the book, right. not Ender's Game, the movie of the book. Yeah, it's because they're two different things. And you could get Ender's Game, the book, <laughs> the based movie. off of the movie, <laughs> oh, no. based off of the book. Oh boy, no, I totally agree. Like the movie I'll use as an example is Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yes. Uh, one of my favorite movies. I was going to bring this up anyway. Cool. Perfect. Um, so the six um, book series mm-hmm. is the original source material, mm-hmm. but the Scott Pilgrim movie is the best movie adaptation of the book. And there's also a video game, which is a perfect adaptation of the book because I feel like the Scott Pilgrim versus the world movie has a completely different feel Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels it has the spirit of the books, but in film form because there's only so much you can adapt into yeah. that film. They're completely different mediums. I mean, like right. to go exactly. back to to go back to Watchmen. One of the cool things about, that Watchmen did was they played around with the comic book medium and things like color and panel layout, which mm-hmm. is stuff that you can't do in any other medium. I mean, you can play around with color, obviously, but not panel layouts. Yeah. Like. When you're, they make movies with color now. I know, right? <laughs> Whoa! But like when you when you're filming, you're basically stuck with this sixteen by nine frame, or or if you want to go widescreen, whatever. In three D. Yeah, uh, but in comics, you can literally draw any shape and size panel that you want to, and, mm-hmm. and create a story with that. And one of the things they did with Watchmen is, uh, in one of the issues called like, uh, like fearful symmetry or something like that, mm-hmm. um, they had the entire book mirror itself so it was like the panel layout from page one matches mirrored the panel layout from the very last page and it just continues until it hits the center of the page with this big splash of of, oh cool so it's it's something that they were trying to 
that you could only get across in the comic book format. Yeah. And so obviously you're going to lose things when you adapt oh, to yeah. a movie. But you can also add things that only a movie can do, like sound, for example. Mm-hmm. You can actually hear how an actor says a thing or hear a sound effect of Dr. Manhattan teleporting. And, and when you go back and you read the book, you have that internalized. You can, yeah. It'll help you understand that better. Mm-hmm. And that was um, we were before, we, before Ricky forced us to put this... <laughs> on record forever yeah. uh, yes. I was mentioning um, what something that Bo Burnham said in an interview once that I think it was Bo Burnham who yeah. said <laughs> oh, no he, he was talking about how somebody asked him if he would ever adapt one of his shows um, into like an actual movie or TV show thing and he mm-hmm. said no because uh, when you're when you're writing something or directing something or just making something you should make it for that medium um, instead of like just making it in the abstract or making it for something and then changing it over, because mm-hmm. you just just stay in your lane. If you're gonna make a movie, then make use of the tools that you have in a movie's mm-hmm. playground. Yeah. Or same thing with like a comic or a book or a screenplay and everything. Yeah, right. yeah like Bill Watterson, for example, who um, illustrated and wrote uh, Calvin and Hobbes. Mm-hmm. Like he never wanted them to be cartoons he didn't never wanted them to even be merchandise calvin hobbs he just wanted them to stay in comic form because that's where they why do i have a bumper sticker with calvin peeing on things because i'll tell you exactly why uh because he never had a license Ah. because he never filed for the license oh it was just up for grabs so people just made it they just did it on their own yeah so it was never approved because he never he never even wanted to have a license for it Mm -hmm. he didn't even want to have it to protect he he didn't want one at all oh that's interesting so that's why you see that and that's why also you see this kind of tiger that looks curiously like the stuffed tiger version of hobbs that is not hobbs weird yeah that makes a lot of sense i do have to say though Going back to the idea of like using the tools that are in the medium that you're making it for, it's not even the medium itself inherently. It's also just how you present that medium. Because you could say, well, if you're making a song, well, do you want to make that song so that you can play it in front of an audience, or do you mm-hmm. want to like do you know? Because there are some. I think the Beatles were very, um, you know, they their their kind of. Uh, creative inspiration was in the studio not necessarily playing shows so that's when they started oh, yeah. getting get it, that you know that's that's when they started getting real creative was playing around with with all that kind of stuff and right. and not necessarily making it to be played for an audience but making it to be you know played on, yeah played back on a, and know. that's that's like something that i hear i haven't been to many concerts but but people say either like this musician is awful live or <laughs> yeah. great live yeah. like cuz there's because... like pop stars and stuff they don't actually sound like that most of the time. So you no. go and do it live and they're lip syncing or they just sound terrible mm-hmm. or maybe they sound great and everything's fine. Sure. But, but a lot of it, yeah, is, a lot of it's for the studio. Because that's how most people are going to listen to the song is right. on a recording. Exactly. Right? But if you, but yeah, I mean, you get obviously people who really, really love live performances and they'll, uh, they'll, those are the kind of people that will change it up every day. Like you mm-hmm. can see them twice and you, it'll be, be completely different, different experiences, yeah. which would be a ton of fun. I know we're supposed to be talking about movies. Oh, no. <laughs> well, I think it, it's a good to, like, cross-pollinate 
maybe that's not the right term. Nope. Stand by it. Cross pollinate. Well, because it it makes sense. Because if you do look at movies, for example, if you take like a book, like there are so many um, stories that I've read. Um, like for example, the book that I read that I was like, oh, I think the book actually was like quote unquote better mm-hmm. was Hunger Games oh. because the difference being is like it, it's kind of like TV to film almost. Mm-hmm. Right. Like um, when I read the Hunger Games, they go into excruciating detail of like the degree to which they live in poverty in District Twelve, mm. and it's upsetting like you're just like oh my gosh this is awful and then with that information you see what motivates katniss and all of her actions i'm just like oh my goodness i i get it but in the movie like they don't they glance over it right and i get why they would have to like make that cut because they're trying you have that medium you have like an hour and a half maybe two hours to tell that story so you have to cut things that's what that's what interests me about film a lot is that there is some sort of weird internal clock that the audience has and it's like if you don't hit this these beats at these these moments in this movie Mm -hmm. then it's gonna feel slow it's gonna feel rushed it's gonna feel like it you know just not gonna feel like a good movie and so you have you're so constricted and whereas a book there's really no format you can just kind of do whatevs yeah Yeah, because like you have like text to like frames like ratio you just have like so much more right to like world building your mind can also imagine so much more than like what's actually being shown to yeah. you yeah i mean that's something that a scott mcleod talks about in understanding comics because i have to bring comics back into things yeah uh but it's that when you try to think of the most abstract way to represent a concept it, it's it's words right because you could take a picture of a tree or you could just look at a tree and then just look at the word tree and the word tree does in no way represent the actual image of a tree right it's just some weird scribbles that we've all decided means tree mm. and so when you see that on a page in a book it gives you the freedom as the reader to to interpret that world and interpret that as any way you want because i'm sure now that i've said tree everyone at home listening to this or in the car listening to this or wherever you listen to this has a completely in different jail. in jail if they allow <laughs> podcasts um has a completely different interpretation of a tree in their head like yeah. we're all right. different and so that you know obviously you get the authors who describe things in incredible detail and make it so you, you can really only see one thing but yeah. either way it's it's it gives you at least a little bit more freedom than just seeing a tree on screen it's like this is the tree mm-hmm I think it was J.K. Rowling. Okay. Who said, uh, no. <laughs> Rowling, I think. Uh-huh, uh-huh. She uh, she talked about in um, uh, one of those like a conversation with so and so. She had like an hour long thing with Daniel Radcliffe where they just talked. And mm-hmm. um, one of the things she brought up was that uh, she knew going in that there would have to be sacrifices made when she put the books on film because the books are huge. Yeah. And you can't do that in film. And she said. Um, it would be like a 10 hour movie. And I know that there's an audience for that somewhere, uh-huh. but, but like widely it just would end up being bad. Mm-hmm. So you would have to cut corners and stuff and leave things out and make compromises just yeah. because it is a completely different medium. So you have to make sacrifices. Oh, oh, totally. Uh, I guess kind of shifting a little gears a little bit. What is a, what is a adaptation that you feel has been like this, one of the stronger adaptations uh, from your point of view, because like, just as because I know that there is like, pr- like again, like Frankenstein or like Tarzan or what's the other thing I'm thinking of? Like the movies like that have been like remade like so many different times, oh, okay. but there are things that have stayed constant um, throughout it. And just 
I guess your personal um, preference. Like, what's a a I would say one adaptation to film, like whether it be like a video game, like you know they they did Assassin's Creed recently, um, or comic book, or book, or um, Poem, song, even. yes. <laughs> Favorite pop song. Would yeah. To film. Would Sorcerer's Stone match that criteria? Yeah, absolutely. I would say that because I've I'm just just now finally reading the Harry Potter books, and I'm in the middle of I'm almost at the end of Sorcerer's Stone, and I think it's like it's not one of the it's probably the shortest book in the series, mm-hmm. but um, just hot off the heels of watching that and reading the book, they got like the important beats in the movie perfectly like Mm -hmm. the the things there are of course stuff left out like they go into like you were saying about a district 12 being like terrible and makes them explaining it more rolling talks about uh how harry's life at home with the dursleys was way worse they show it way more terrible in Mm -hmm. um like the books like like um vernon like locked him in the cupboard under the stairs for a couple weeks and didn't give him food and like just stuff like this, and like they also talked about like Dudley's friends and stuff like this, mm-hmm. and but like that's not important. I'm saying like a lot. I just realized. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. So that was it's a very good representation of the book, just because of the beats in there. And there is like an entire chapter that's left out, but mm-hmm. it's not important. They got what they needed to and went up there. So that's a even if you even if like Sorcerer's Stone was a terrible movie, which it's not. It's still a good adaptation. They they did a good job of taking the book and making it into a movie, whereas um, something like Watchmen, I guess, could yeah. be argued the same way, but some people don't like it. Yeah. Um, okay. I have a couple examples that I want to bring up, but I'll go over them quickly. So first and foremost, obviously, Jingle All the Way is the best adaptation <laughs> of the Turbo Man TV franchise. <laughs> Uh, but uh-huh. anyway, undisputable. Yeah, of course. Um, no. So to bring up Watchmen, I think Watchmen is a really good example of an adaptation being exactly that an adaptation for mm-hmm. the film medium because Watchmen is is a complex graphic novel filled with like all sorts of side stories and like news right. articles and all sorts of things that yeah. that do not read like a regular comic book do. There's just and, novels in there. <laughs> yeah, they're just like other like inside of the comic is another comic strip. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's it's very complicated, and yes, there's like the ultimate whatever cut that has all the cartoons of that made. But I would say even the just the regular cut of it is fine uh, because yes, at the end of the movie, yeah, they spoilers they uh, have the big destruction of uh, of the city be at, at you know supposed to be framed on Doctor Manhattan, uh, and I think that is a much better. Uh, idea for the movie because mm-hmm. in the comic book it's like this giant fake space alien squid creature right. Thing right that they set up and that would just not fit at all in the movie that that had been established up until that point no. so i think that is a great example of an adaptation mm-hmm. taking the beats because there are a lot of stuff in there that is like beat for beat like the comic and like yeah, yeah. there's like shot for shot exactly makes in that movie and, and i would add on like the cool thing i think that watchman did that not enough people notice is that like watchman at its time was a social commentary on comic books right. at that time mm-hmm. and the movie was a, the same thing but for the comic book movies at the time mm, yeah. like they included uh, bat nipples uh, can I oh yeah I just wanted to say I'm glad you brought that up because some people are like 
look, Ozymandias is, he's, you know, his costume in the comics is reflective of his, you know, the source that he got his, you know, name from. It's, you know, robes, long, and they threw it out for a bat nipple joke. I'm like, no, that plays in. That yes. plays in to what they're trying to say. You know, exa- exactly what you're saying. It's a commentary on, on superhero movies. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, and I was going to say the other one, uh, Scott Pilgrim, of course, I think is a really great one. Oh, yeah. um, it's just a fantastic so example of, uh, again, that's another one that is almost word for word uh, in a yeah. lot of places. But And, and it, they, they do cut corners, though, for the of sake course. of time. Like the, the bread is fat joke goes on the entire book series and yep. it's way blown up, mm-hmm. but it's like one line in the movie. But it's still, that's all you need. Yeah, yeah. it's it, you, you don't need to make a bit of you know like a whole th- right. Get running you don't, you don't need to see movie. say bread is fat. Bread makes you fat like mm-hmm. six times throughout your movie. Right. <laughs> right. Well, even how they edit that movie together because every single time I've watched Scott Pilgrim, um, I see something new to appreciate God, yeah. like the the music, the sound cues, the lighting, transitions, they, the transitions. So like they'll have a conversation and smash cut into yes. it being nighttime and they're like right to where they need to be. I'm like. Yes, no, this is like you turn a page and like you're yeah. seeing that happen and, and they, they make use of the medium and I just think, I just, I like that. Yeah, and, and, so and again, it, it takes, it does the thing in a comic where it makes use of the, uh, like the, the, the pan, like the, you know, the aspect ratio and everything because it cuts things up a lot. It mm-hmm. doesn't just rely on the big rectangle on the right. screen. It like, you know, has these different frames and and people reaching beyond the black bars a couple times, which I thought was really fun. Yeah. So it's just, it reads, the movie itself reads like a comic book, and I really do appreciate that. I mean, if you're going to make an adaptation, go all out, you know. Let's oh, see. I was going to bring up one last thing, if do I it. can. Hard yeah. edit. Can we all just f- find some laughter for a second? Hi! <laughs> all right, cool. <laughs> now let's edit this back in. Wait, what? I just, <laughs> I undermined my own self. Um, it is January 17th. That is correct. 2017. <laughs> um, Wait, no. we jumped forward like 12 days? What day is it? What year is it? Where am I? Um, but yeah, one last thing that I wanted to say was uh, putting out something that we, I think, started the conversation with, which is people saying, oh, the book was better than, than whatever. Mm. And I think, just from experience, I'm sure that that is absolutely true in a lot of cases. But from experience, the people I've heard who, who do that are the people who just want to sound smart because they read yeah. the book. Yeah. I watched I watched The Martian, which was a movie that came out oh, yeah. a couple of years back or something like that. And I didn't read the book, but I did listen to the audio book, which is the same thing, everyone. Yeah. Get off my back. <laughs> um, it was unabridged. Uh, so, <laughs> but uh, yeah, because I really, really enjoyed that. And I wanted to, I thought the trailer was interesting. So I, I got the audio book and I listened to it in entirety before I saw the movie. And the people in front of me at the theater, as soon as it was over, were like, boy, that was like nothing like the book. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> that was like so, that was, what? <laughs> uh, but, I mean, again, the book was made for a completely different audience than the movie was. Right. The book has so much technical uh, talk in it. Yeah. That, yeah. You know, they wanted to be as technically accurate as possible, and they could not do that in the movie. There was like, there were entire chapters of just people talking about like, all right, if you enter this code in and then write out the full code and then you'd like, all right, you have to do, you know, go to this program and do this. And it was just so complicated. And, 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 and I mean, it was fun to listen to, uh, put me to sleep a lot, but it was, you know, <laughs> it was, there's no possible way they could have done that in the movie. Well, I, I think you bring up a good point because it's one of those things where I feel like for me, at least people's first 
interaction with the medium is going to be beholden to them. Mm. So, like, for example, when I see the Ninja Turtles, um, which has been adapted several times, for me, the best Ninja Turtles movie is the one that came out in 1990. Because that's what I first saw, and that was the first time I got to see the Turtles in that way. Mm. And the new Bay Turtles... I don't, I don't think they're, they're great, but I know that there's a group of kids who are going to be like, no, yeah, like, these are the turtles. And pretty much any other adaptation from that is going to either be sour to them or it's going to be like, oh, well, this is this version of the turtles. Because like, for me, like, I see the turtles, like, there are, I've, the three versions of the turtles that I see is the comic book version, like, from the original, mm. or, like, the 1984 version of yeah. the turtles. You have the cartoon turtles, like, from the 80s. And then you have the movie turtles, like the 2003 turtles, which I also really love, which was an adaptation of the Ninja Turtles from the movie universe in animated form. Um, but like, I feel like it's, I feel like people, no matter what medium, the whichever thing that they watch first or ingest first uh, is going to be the one that's probably going to be their favorite. Like for me, uh, after I only read the first Hunger Games book. I didn't read any of the other ones. I wanted to, but movies kept on coming out, and I kept on not reading. Uh, but when I saw the other movies, I really enjoyed them. Like, I didn't have as many qualms as I did with the first one because I didn't know any better technically. Uh, and so like, I really enjoyed it, and I could see it for what it was. And then I feel like if I went to go back and expand the world building, I'd be like, oh, there's more here. And I feel like it's like... Yeah. I think that's a, that's another thing of because I was I was gonna say there's not a lot of movies where I've read the book first and then seen the movie, mm-hmm. but that's not completely true because I've read a lot of comics which movies are based on. Right. But the mindset that I have going in, which I feel like a lot of comic fans have the opposite, is yeah. where I'm going into the movie and if I see something from the comics, I'm like, yeah, yeah. instead <laughs> of not seeing something from the comics and being like, come on, man. Yeah, <laughs> like for like. Uh, Iron Man 3. Yeah. Like, I, I read Extremis, and I was just right. like, this is nothing like the no. movie. Like, they, they, they pulled bits and They pulled pieces, exactly. Like, like, all three Iron Man movies are pulled from Extremis and this, the mm-hmm. Matt Fraction's run of Iron Man, mm-hmm. which, um, yeah, so that just a lot of it is from there. And there are bits where I'm like, oh, yeah, this is really cool. This is straight from the comics. And, like, Winter Soldier is a good example, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The comic is nothing like the book but there is like the they take the concept for sure yeah they take the concept and they do to like those scenes where where you get where um steve's like bucky and then bucky's like who the hell is bucky (laughs) that's straight from the comics and you see that and you're like whoa yeah that's cool instead of getting angry that they didn't put in like the red skull having giant tentacle creatures blow up new york or whatever like civil war having a couple shots from right exactly from the covers which are awesome being in there yeah the the speech yeah it's yeah said by agent 13 instead of steve rogers Mm -hmm. i didn't care because i love that speech so much anyway i'm just i'm glad they even put it in there uh but yeah that i think that's another movie i would say is a really good example of just an actual adaptation because it's pretty much not like the the comic book really at all but they did what they could. Well, the cool thing about Civil War, and I think I feel like people should keep in mind with adaptations, is that mm-hmm. like 
uh, and you've said this before, but I'll say it again because we're close to the end of the podcast. Uh, but like, it is an adaptation. Like mm-hmm. everything that like the Marvel Cinematic Universe has done, mm-hmm. world building wise, and like that they've established with the characters and the things that they've drawn from mm-hmm. um, from the source material makes sense in world. Right. It's like the movie version is almost its own multiverse, which it, I know it actually is in Marvel. Right. Um, but, like, that's how I see most adaptations. Mm-hmm. Like, I will have my own personal preference of, like, what I think it should have or what it could have included. Mm-hmm. But, like, um, but I also understand that it's the choice that they were trying to make. Like, for yeah. example, I'll bring this up. Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, or The Last Airbender Yikes. as a movie because that's a TV to movie adaptation yeah. and it did not do well for many reasons for many yeah. reasons either way the two yes. of which I would say is that I think it was confounded to the wrong medium yes. I think that with them trying to do book one which is a 24 episode right. season with episodes so richly written that they had an episode just dedicated to Momo and Appa. Yep. Like, they um, they tried to condense so much information, mm-hmm. and they tried to tell, like, a quote-unquote true adaptation, but in such a short amount of time, I think that they should have done the thing that I hate that movies do nowadays, which is do, like, two parts. So, like, mm. part one, part two. I think Water should have been a part one, part two to <laughs> allow... Last Airbender, book one, part one. Yep, book one, part one, book one, part two, and then continue on because there's so much there to tell. I think if you really wanted to do a live action Airbender movie, then or not not even movie, but just a live action Airbender, just like do an HBO miniseries or something like that. You know, I feel like or a Netflix series. Do a Marvel Netflix series. Yeah, a Marvel Netflix series of a Nickelodeon show. That's all I want. You just, I just feel like you need to do it good this time. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really great. I don't advice. think that's too much to ask. No, you know, I don't that's know like, if I ever that. I come home from movies sometimes, and I'm just like, is it really too hard to just not make it bad? <laughs> well, yeah, like I, I guess we're kind of going into some movies that were poorly received. Oh, sure. uh, for like Green Lantern, for example, oh, I feel like that adaptation missed a lot mm-hmm. uh, because I feel like in order to make a solid adaptation, you need to have a few core elements present Mm -hmm. in order to adapt with i feel like for iron man for example they did so many good things just in the casting and the story that they were going to tell with a modern day post dark knight iron man Mm -hmm. um that or i say post batman begins iron man which i think batman begins has a lot to do with how things are adapted nowadays which is being received well but like i think that those adaptations are or that that those elements needed to be present in order for them to make this version s- solid. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that. <laughs> yeah, no, I would agree. I think something else about um, uh, about the Martian, if I can talk about that a little bit more. Something I thought was interesting that they did was it, for world building, because again, we talked about how books and, and stuff can have these you know incredible details of characters and, and could be ten hours long but there's not going to be a 10-hour-long movie about right. that sort of thing in Hollywood. So something I'm, I'm seeing more and more movies do, and I saw this with Martian, was they took to the internet to further um, flesh out their characters, and they would film whole sequences just for the internet and not not included in oh. the movie at all. Mm. So they had a that. bunch of... Yeah, for the Martian, they cut out a lot of stuff from the book, but they put it in 
or they adapted it rather to to the internet. So like there was one of my favorite parts uh, from the book because uh, I'm such an Aquaman fan was uh, there's there's some sort of part where he they they're on the ground and they're just like man can you imagine what would what it be like what do you, what do you think he's thinking up there all by himself and he just makes some sort of like weird Aquaman joke or something like that <laughs> like it's just like a weird cutaway in the book and I love it so much and then they didn't put that in the movie at all but they adapted that for the uh, for like an online clip where there was mm. just like well here's our interviews for our mission you know stuff that wasn't in the movie here's so you can flesh out the characters a little bit more and he told that same joke in that sort of interview style thing nice. and i'm like that's really interesting that they're they know that they can't make a 10-hour movie but they can at least you know use these kind of supplemental yeah. material to to kind of yeah tell their yeah, that's that's something I, I like that marvel is kind of doing more and more with um just kind of world building with the actual big players mm-hmm. of like when before Ant-Man came out, they have that uh, world whatever news like YouTube oh, yeah. channel yeah. Yeah. that they just had like interviews with W-H-I-H with yeah with um with wow. with Paul Rudd playing Ant-Man like in jail, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. interviewing him and talking and he like talks about how he hates Tony Stark, That's which right. which is an interesting thing to see in Civil War. Um, and just like world building with that, especially if you're building up a franchise or adapting a giant book mm-hmm. or something else into a movie, is just fun. Yeah, man. Don't forget the internet. They even did the uh, the slingshot stuff recently. Yeah, for Agents of which Shield. I still haven't watched. No, it's pretty good. It's real tight. It's a real simple story. Good. I think the takeaway of the episode is that um, you know adaptations are not meant to. Uh, take away from the original they're mm-hmm. just supposed to be their own thing and for a different audience and yeah. you know yeah the book still exists if you don't like yes the movie, exactly the book still That's... exists it's not going anywhere absolutely well uh kind of going back a little bit like for example my dad mm-hmm. uh, grew up with the adam west batman mm-hmm. and you can't tell him anything other than that being the one true batman <laughs> of I all time that. and he loves it and i know a lot of people um, or I don't know how many people I'm speaking for. I know that that version of Batman was not, humans, <laughs> yes. was not as well received right. as like even the 1989 Batman. In fact, it almost like worked to its detriment. Oh, of course. Uh, listen to our review of the 1989 Batman. Uh, <laughs> and it was, uh, but then when they adapted it in the, 1989 one to, from the Tim Burton to the Schumacher, you know, Schumacher was paying tribute to the set or seventies or sixties, sixties, the sixties Batman, mm-hmm. and then Nolan kind of took it on his own, and like that, all those different. Yeah, Nolan things. was like, "Enough of that," <laughs> <laughs> and we're done. Yeah. Uh, but... I don't need cartoon sound effects and like hockey fights with Mister Freeze. All right. <laughs> But, like, I feel like um, all those are adaptations of the same Batman, which I think is really interesting because I feel like the cool thing with adaptations is that we get to adapt it differently and we get to make it mean different things. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially like, for the whatever the culture of the time is. Too. Exactly. And so I feel like um, certain adaptations can tell, can serve different purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. And I and I just think that it's cool. Like for example, kind of going to a different adaptation, like from comic to like video game. Oh, we were talking yeah. about like the Arkham series. Like playing as Batman in a game is a completely different experience than like watching a movie of Batman. Mm-hmm. But it feels you get different meanings and you get different like uh, sure. understandings of it. And so again, I think adaptations are there to 
present something new or to show something in a different way because like the textbook definition of adaptation oh <laughs> get out get out uh sorry that was an inside joke i made that you aren't aware of um but yeah i mean that, i think that's what adaptations are for mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. i think adaptations moving forward in film i think is going to just give us different stories or stories told mm -hmm. differently yeah. i mean i mean it, it, look at the end of the day when you take something like a book which we've talked about is a super abstract way to represent ideas and you filter it in a movie you're filtering it through the director's one man's one person's idea of how that thing should be represented mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so that obviously is going to upset people if they if it's not exactly as how they imagined it to be right i i wonder what like the longest chain of like an adaptation loop is so like it starts at a book and then there's a movie and then there's a video game based on that movie and then there's a a comic based on that video game and then there's a movie based on that comic and then there's a, like a tv show like spun off of that movie oh, yes i feel like so far harry potter has done that because yeah. it's been a book a movie yes. a play that's true but the play's a, a new thing though game. but the play but it draws from both materials yeah and so it's, kind of it's a spin-off play right yeah. well Apparently, it's the eighth story, but... Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Oh, sorry, not the, no, not that one. I'm talking about, like, Starboy. Oh, uh, okay. Or Star King. Star King. Uh, not that play. I was uh, thinking Chris Child. I thought that we were all talking about the same play. Of no, no. course. <laughs> and then, of course, with that, we have to do Holy Here We Go Again. Or, no, what was it? Holy Musical Batman. Yep. Sorry. I was stuck in my own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, thank you guys so much for uh, being here and letting me uh, wrangle you guys in for this conversation. Uh, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me everywhere at Scott Nice Wonder, spelled exactly the way it sounds. Mm -hmm. I think the answer to your question, Dylan, is Batman. If Batman is a comic book character, turn into the Arkham series video games, and then there's a comic book of the Arkham. Oh, game, that's true. Which yeah. is really weird. It's a comic based off of a video game based off of a comic. But anyway, continue. Uh, Scott, nice one. <laughs> Good job. Oh, me? Mm -hmm. uh, well, first off, thank you for having us in my home. Oh, yeah. Uh, you're yes. welcome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Orem Alexander or on YouTube. If you go to the show with the shoes .com, it it's a whole thing. It redirects. Yeah. I'm sure there'll be responsibly placed links in the description probably all right cool, cool. uh and thank you all so much uh for listening uh how do i end this oh yeah and that is our discussion about adaptations uh let us know what you think about our conversation on twitter and instagram we are at flashback flicks let us know about your thoughts on adaptations um and then maybe your thoughts will be adapted into something else Whoa. probably great <laughs> uh and be sure to leave us a review on that's itunes that's what their thoughts will be adapted into <laughs> you, the reviews there it is and your then, thoughts will be adapted to a review and possibly on a podcast if you re if you read them sometimes Ooh, it'll be adapted into i'm sure um, a musical a musical <laughs> an <laughs> animated musical, musical. Oh, yes beautiful uh so thank you so much for uh watching i'm getting my things mixed up um and be sure to tune in next time right here on the flashback flicks retro movie podcast until next time remember to be kind and rewind